Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Even if they don't look like me, even if we don't have the same type of lifestyle or, you know, trajectory or whatever it is, I just want people to feel like they're a part of something. And I think in beauty, that's so important because it really just comes down to feeling good and everybody should be able to feel good and get to just be themselves and feel great about that. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is beauty expert and award-winning journalist, Kayla A. Graves. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Kayla is a beauty expert, award-winning journalist with over a decade of media experience and a sought-after speaker. She is a former executive beauty editor at InStyle and has held positions at Bustle and the Huffington Post. In 2017, she was named on the top 100 Black women to watch in Canada list and appeared on HBO's The Beauty of Blackness documentary in 2021. In 2022, she appeared in Comcast, the Black Beauty Effect docuseries. Kayla has interviewed the likes of Lupita Nyong'o, Mary J. Blige, Jennifer Lopez, Naomi Campbell, and many more. She has also appeared in modeling campaigns for TJ Maxx, Maybelline, and Shea Moisture. Kayla, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is a long time coming. I feel like I linked in you. We're messaging. We're talking. We have breakfast. We did all these things together. And it has just been so great getting to know you. You as well. I love the relationship that we built. It's funny because um, I always talk about divine timing and that people come into your life for a reason, a season, a lifetime. And so I've, it's been so much fun kind of at this point in my career to meet all of these new people that are coming in at different moments and adding so much value and enrichment to my life. And I just consider you to be one of those people. Thank you. I feel the exact same way. Well, let's jump in because we've had a lot happening. I feel like February, March are like our Super Bowls. As Black women, there's so much going on. And one of the things I wanted to start with was the Shea Moisture Blueprint campaign. (laughs) And you, my friends, are doing amazing things. You're a writer, you're a creator, you're all these things. And this blueprint campaign, you just look stunning. And it has such a great mission. Can we start there? And can you talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. So my amazing friend Dion actually hit me up and was like, let me put your name in the hat for this campaign. She sure wants to highlight of, you know, black women who are kind of doing their thing in their field. I said, absolutely put my name in the ring. Then I ended up getting chosen for it. So it was me and 10 other women you know, Darian Harvin, Ursula Steven, Lacey Redway, just amazing, incredible women in the beauty and, and fashion space. 
And it basically just highlights us and how we're creating our own blueprints in our industry and kind of carving out our own lanes for each other. Well, and and I love the ability to be able to, one, uplift each other and to come together. And even your friend recommending you and you going through the journey and getting in. Um, and then that the fact that our blueprints are going to be different. You know, generationally, it was you got a job, you stayed in that job when we look at, you know, our parents and our parents before. And I feel like we're in this time of it's okay to have multiple streams of what you're doing um, around your name or multiple titles, if you will, that all kind of sync up. And so let's talk about your career journey, because I had the good fortune of having breakfast with you as you were on the cusp of making some really big decisions. And those decisions have really played out and your blueprint has really um, accelerated. So Talk about your career journey and kind of who you are. Yeah. So my career, it's almost like it was, I feel like it was very much so meant to be. So I grew up in a predominantly white town. I was pretty much one of one or maybe one of two sometimes. Um, Black person or black girl type of thing. And I really didn't have a lot of representation around me. And when you grow up in predominantly white spaces, a lot of the time, what you're told is that everything about you naturally, your skin color, your hair texture, your culture, the food you eat is wrong and bad and ugly and all of these like negative attributes. And so it took me a really long time to feel confident in myself and confident in who I was because I wasn't surrounded by people who really looked like me aside from my immediate family. But I went out into the world and everybody was white, had blonde hair, blue eyes, green eyes, like in that kind of thing, straight hair. I didn't see any type of representation. And it wasn't even until maybe high school when I started to kind of, you know, like myself and appreciate my features and think that I was attractive and all those kinds of things. So when I got into beauty, it was very important for me to always be inclusive in the stories I wrote or whatever I was producing or video content I was making. And, you know, while I can't relate to, you know, being a fat woman, being queer, you know, having a different skin tone, having a different hair texture, I can't relate to everything that other people deal with. But what I can always relate to is the feeling of exclusion. So for me, making sure that the spaces I'm in are inclusive, making sure the stories that I write are inclusive, making sure the way I tell stories and the way I use language is inclusive as as many people as I possibly can be has always been so important to me. And I think that's kind of how I've carved out my own lane is just making sure that as many people as possible can feel included in the work that I do. Even if I don't look like them, even if they don't look like me, even if we don't have the same type of lifestyle or, you know, trajectory or whatever it is. I just want people to feel like they're a part of something. And I think in beauty, that's so important because it really just comes down to feeling good and everybody should be able to feel good and get to just be themselves and feel great about that. You know, it's so important when we talk about representation and I, I love hearing the passion in your voice when you talk about inclusivity and everyone kind of having this opportunity to feel important. And the beauty of people is the differences that we actually have, right? Like none of us have the same lived experiences, not even brothers and sisters, because we're all so unique. And it's so interesting, as you were talking, I remember being in third grade and going to the summer camp and literally being the only black person and the girls making so much fun of my lips. And it was so painful. And I remember it being so painful that I didn't even want to tell my mom, who I'm super close with, who I, you know, even in adulthood. 
And I remember it wasn't until much later. And even when you think about now and our lips and our thighs and all of these things and just how we've had to overcome so much to get to this place of feeling beautiful, which never should have been dictated before. And so I really appreciate the way that you approach it and the awareness that you have in terms of making everyone feel welcome. Yeah, I think that's it's just such an important part of my job. I mean, there's no reason why people shouldn't feel good about who they are. Like you are crafted and nobody else is like you, right? Like you just made that point. We're all unique. No two people are the same. And that's amazing when you think about it. There's nobody else in the world that's like you. But instead of, you know, looking at that as a superpower, we're often kind of beaten down by the world to think that these are things that we should be insecure about or feel bad about because we don't fit into this mold of whatever society thinks that we should be. And um, I think the greatest privilege in life is just being able to be yourself. Well, and and let's talk about yourself because you talk about kind of growing up in this environment but you have such a, an, an interesting family and family is so important to you because you grew up in a Jamaican immigrant household in Montreal. And so there's this Caribbean, there's this American, there's this black woman, like talk about how the merging of, of those cultures have really kind of shaped even how you look at inclusivity and even how you approach your work. Absolutely. So I was born in Montreal I moved from Montreal when I was like a toddler. I think it was like three years old to a suburb in Toronto. So I grew up spending a lot of time with my grandparents in the country. So I was always very um, involved in my culture. I was very aware of my culture, always knew what my roots were and where I came from. And then growing up also in Canada was interesting because Toronto in itself is a very diverse city. It's always been a very diverse city, but the suburbs are not. So when I would go into the city, it would be a completely different experience than being in the suburbs. So I almost feel like I'm a little bit of everything. And it's really just enhanced my experience. Like I did not have a homogenous experience, despite the fact that I grew up in a predominantly white town in terms of experiencing different cultures. And then I think now living in New York, it's very similar to Toronto in, this, in the way that there's a blend of cultures here. There's a lot of people who come from different countries and make this home. And so I think I've had a really rich experience despite, you know, the few years of my childhood when I was just kind of one of one. Thank you for sharing that because it is an interesting experience. And especially I always love New York. I feel like it's the only place you can go and be on the subway and hear so many different languages and see so many different cultures. And so, like you said, a little bit of Toronto coming out in New York. So when you think about your career journey and kind of moving to New York, talk about what that was like, why you wanted to move and how you ultimately got into journalism. Absolutely. So I started in journalism back when I was in Toronto. So I was doing internships before I even graduated from college. I was like working-ish before I even graduated from college. So it really just, it, it started there. I mostly started like doing kind of entertainment and music then I started doing more lifestyle. Then I got really specific into fashion and beauty. Uh, I would say my first like real, real newsroom job was with Huffington Post. And I was at their Toronto office back when they had their international editions. And I worked there for a few years. It was fantastic. And then I got laid off. But it was the biggest blessing because I knew that I wanted to go to New York. I, I always wanted to go to New York. I knew in my spirit that I didn't want to stay in Toronto forever. 
it just felt for me personally to be a little bit limiting. Like there just wasn't enough opportunity. And for what I wanted to do, I wanted to be the best at it. And I knew that I couldn't do that had I stayed in Toronto. And so I had to come to New York because that's where everything is if you want to work in media and journalism. And so I took that time while I was um, laid off to just freelance, explore other things, work with different publications, and then work on my visa. And during that time, Trump got elected. So it became a little bit more stressful to do the whole thing. I pushed through. I came to New York without a full-time job. I hustled. I got a full-time job at Bustle. And I stayed there for a year. And then InStyle came knocking at my door. And I was at InStyle for three and a half years, going on four years. And then now I'm freelance. Wow. I love the hustle and pushing through. And it's such a great... It's a great life lesson. Like we have to be uncomfortable and we have to, you know, not have everything work out for us to get to the other side. I think there's so much grit, you know, whenever that happens. And it's so interesting now, like I I moved to New York, literally like had an internship called me, I had to be there in two weeks and I lived with the nuns. Like it's what we do to get to the other side of our career. And I love how you talk about So you wanted to do journalism. You were working, 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 come to New York. So when you think about going from Huffington Post to InStyle and now really being your own free agent, what was kind of the main lesson that carried you from each place that ultimately kind of led you to now saying, I'm going to go out on my own? Yeah, I think it was just all the different things I did at those jobs. Like I think now as a journalist, I think like traditionally a journalist, your job is to just report, write on things, rinse and repeat. Obviously, every story is going to be different. But now journalists have to do a million different jobs at once. And so for me, it made me realize that I don't have to only do one thing. I don't only have to write. I don't only have to, you know, do this and do that. I can do a multitude of things. So now I kind of consider myself, I mean, I'll always be a journalist, I'll always be a storyteller, but I really consider myself to be a multi-hyphenate in the beauty space, um, which is such a great thing to do because you never get bored. There's always something different to do. You could be writing a feature, you could be consulting with a brand, you know, you could be recording a podcast like we are now, you could be working on video content, you could be hosting an event, you could be speaking, you could be moderating. There's just so many different things to do and ways to work in this industry to help brands tell stories, to tell your own stories, you know, and just make it into whatever you want it to be. And I love that. And it's so fun. And it's so creative. And there's a few kind of points in your career that I think have really created this kind of ecosystem of you being able to consult and be this multi-hyphenate. And I want to talk about one of the big pivotal moments in beauty that really kind of positioned you around black hair care and really understanding, um, particularly for black women, how personal it is. And you truly have created the narrative. You've made it okay to talk about black hair and you've done so much work kind of understanding this relationship. And I love, you know, you said the quote for black women, our relationship with hair is so complicated (laughs) and it's complicated and it's beautiful. And so can you talk about how you really kind of started to take on this notion of telling stories about your hair journey and how that also has now led you into so many different content creation opportunities? Yeah. So I think my 
hair journey has been complicated because I didn't know what my natural hair texture looked like until I was in, I would say mid-ish 20s. I had a relaxer, like a lot of black girls from the second grade up until I was a grown adult, just because it's what we thought we had to do. To assimilate, we didn't think that it was okay to wear a natural hair. It just wasn't a part of our culture for a very long time to do it. Everybody just had straight hair in the 90s and 2000s. It's just how we did. And when I finally went, decided to go natural, it was almost like I had anxiety about it. I was scared. I was like, holy crap. What if I'm ugly? I don't know how, what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to look. I don't know what products are going to work. It was like a whole thing because I was just used to working with relaxed hair. And I started to realize like how complex our relationship with our hair is and how it's so much more than just hair for us, right? It's our roots. It's where we come from. It's, it represents who we are. And the fact that we've had to hide our hair or beat it into submission for so long just to be able to survive sometimes in this type of society is just really heavy. And um, I think particularly when I was at Bustle, I did two projects that were really um, meaningful in terms of hair. So one I did, um, the first one I did was a package on Black women and breast cancer. And one of the stories I did was, what was it like for you as a Black woman to have to lose your hair to chemotherapy? And what was that story like for you on your hair journey? Right? So like, for example, I think there was one woman who had locks and she had grown her locks up for a long time. She had to cut off her locks, which is very emotional because when you're going through a lock journey, it really is a journey to have locks, especially, you know, for a long time, locks were not accepted in society. Like you could legally tell somebody that they cannot be employed somewhere because they had their hair locked. So there's that. Then there was another project I worked on that was called Good Hair. And it was all about the beauty of 4C hair in particular. And I think because, you know, the narrative of 4C hair is that it's bad hair, it's unmanageable, it's tough, it's this, it's that. It's all of these negative attributes that we put around 4C hair when really it is so versatile and it's such a fun hair type to play with. And so I, I called it good hair and I had a bunch of different women from all walks of life, all body types, all skin tones. Even uh, one girl was biracial. She had 4C hair and just telling their stories, um, taking photographs of like how 4C hair just looks differently based on the hair density or just your like whatever it may be, your hair type. And it was just a really beautiful package that I was so proud of. I'm so happy that you took the time to explore it, to research and talk about it and to really put the positive spin on it because there's no reason it should be negative. And the beauty of our industry now is that there's so many products and we have social media and we have tutorials and we have people like you who are helping us see something different and see another side of it. And I love, you were part of HBO's The Beauty of Blackness documentary. You were also part of The Black Beauty Effect, which is still currently out and also coming out with more episodes. How was it being part of documentaries telling your story versus, you know, really being a journalist and putting pen to paper? So it's different mediums, but different, different mediums, but the same kind of power of story. Absolutely. I think it really all just comes down to changing, shifting the narrative on Black Beauty. A lot of the time it's about struggle and hardships and things that are just not fun and playful. And I think that there's a place for that. I think that we always need to recognize that, yes, there is a lot of struggle. There has been a battle for, you know, when it's come to allowing us to just be ourselves, making society, forcing society to just accept us as we are. 
that's always going to be a part of the story. But I think also we need to celebrate who we are. You know, we are triumphant people. We're beautiful people. There's so much beauty and diversity just within blackness itself. And, you know, those two, you know, the documentary and the docuseries were really about celebrating black excellence, celebrating black beauty, looking at all of our achievements and accomplishments and, you know, how much we have overcome in spite of whatever has been holding us back and how much more we have to go and how many things we have to explore within ourselves. And it was just, it was a great experience. And I was so grateful to be a part of those two projects. Oh, I just get chills hearing you talk about it because you are the future of our industry. You truly are. And the way that you think about it, the way that you tell the stories like black excellence and you know, I, I have to thank you. You recently covered us um, as one of your consulting gigs with Elle. And <laughs> the article that you did for us is the beauty industry finally playing fair with black owned brands and highlighting the work that we're doing, you know, with our Brain Trust Founder Studio, with our economic advancement report. And you instantly, when I told you about it, you got it. And it's so connected to celebrating us and telling our stories. And yes, building a brand, being in the industry, it is hard, but there's so much to celebrate. And there's, as long as we can keep talking about the forward motion, the forward progress, like how we are truly part of the industry, leading the industry and changing the industry, that's really the mark of success. And it doesn't have to be shrouded in negative when we can tell these stories of founders and entrepreneurs who are really paving the way. And so I get so excited to see these types of documentaries and stories and really thinking about the future. And so because you're so in it, because you've, I mean, you've interviewed amazing people, celebrities, you know, me, <laughs> but you've said <laughs> so much. I'm like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to put myself um, right in that same conversation with all of the amazing women that you've interviewed. But um, the interesting thing is that you have your eye towards trends in the future. So what are you kind of seeing? What are you excited about? What are you focused on and kind of this next half of what the year looks like for beauty? Absolutely. Well, I love the fact that it's just everybody is having more autonomy with beauty. I was just actually in a conversation um, with CEW and Allure yesterday, and we were talking about the fact that everybody is just making their own rules. It's not a small group of people telling everybody what they should be paying attention to. There's so, there's like a plethora of options of what you can do with your skincare, hair care, makeup. There's so many options and we never had the luxury of having options before. So whatever you think is beautiful is what's beautiful, right? And there's so many different types of representation you can find on social media, on television now, magazines now, advertisements now, that it's like there's no real way to define what beautiful is. It just, it's whatever you want it to be. And I'm so excited for that because I think for a long time, a lot of people who didn't fit into this one little singular mold were just left on the sidelines, couldn't enjoy beauty and makeup the way that other, the chosen few were. And they were just kind of looking from the outside. And now it's like everybody can participate in the conversation. Everybody has a chance to feel good. Everybody has a chance to feel beautiful. And it's on their own terms. And I think that is so exciting. And I really love the way that this generation is pushing that forward. Well, it really is true. And, and oh, just like the inclusivity of 
just like cultures and people and LGBTQIA and transgender. And there's like, you don't have to be defined based upon orientation to create the expression that comes from beauty and beauty products. And it's really exciting to see. And for you, I mean, with so many opportunities kind of on the horizon, how are you thinking about guiding your career? Are you thinking it's going to be continuing to write, create, um, model? And because you're a multi-hyphenate, really the sky's the limit. That's the beauty of it. I, you know what? I'm approaching my career intuitively from now on. I am no longer doing anything that doesn't feel good or feel right. I'm only doing things that bring me some form of pleasure and bring me happiness and bring me fulfillment. And I think if I stay aligned on that path and I just go by faith and I go by my gut and I go by intuition, I'll be good. Because anytime I've done something that doesn't feel good, it never is good. And that's because my body is telling me this is not for you. I am only doing things that are in alignment with me and feel good. I remember the Kim Cattrall line where she said, I think she did an interview with The Guardian. And I actually posted this on my Instagram story, New Year's Eve. And she said, I'm not going to be in any space for even an hour where I don't, I'm not enjoying myself or I don't feel good. Something to that effect. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be how I'm going to live the rest of my life starting in 2023. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Anything that doesn't feel good, bye. Anything that does feel good, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Bye and hello. You're like, this is what I'm here for. So on that vein, what is your one word for 2023? I think I know it, but as you're talking, what's your one word for 2023? Ooh, can I have two words? You can have two. (laughs) Freedom and fulfillment. Freedom and fulfillment. Nice. Freedom and fulfillment. The two Fs for Kayla. So talk about freedom. Why freedom? Because, well, it's funny. So I go to, I go back home to Jamaica at least for one month every year. Now that I'm freelance, I'm probably going to end up doing it for two months. So I go in December. It's the holidays. It's just, there's nothing really happening. And it's just all my family is down there. So I go in, I spend a month down there. And I have these manifestation cards that I put on my dresser. And every day I pull them. And before I left to go to Jamaica, I pulled one that said, you have the freedom to live your life on your own terms. And this was before I left my job and that kind of thing. And I put it up there. And when I came back, I forgot that I even had it up there. And I came back and it was the first thing I saw. And it's still there. I haven't changed the card just because I haven't felt moved to change it. And I had to meditate on that sentence for a little bit. Like, you have the freedom to live your life on your own terms. And it's true. Like, I don't have to live my life according to anybody else's rules. I don't have to listen to authority or the powers that be or whatever. It's my life. And the only person that is going to make rules for my life is me. And that is just something that is firm for me. Nobody's going to take that away from me. And that's it. And I just decided that is how I'm living my life from here on out. And fulfillment is just, I have to feel fulfilled. I'm a very passionate person. I'm emotional. I'm, you know, I'm a creative. It's how we are. We're passionate. We're emotional. We feel things deeply. And in order for me to fully commit to something or give it my best, it has to bring me a sense of fulfillment or else why am I doing it? What's the point? You know, life is so precious and we only have a certain number of years on this earth We only have a certain number of years with our loved ones and our families. And it's just too short and too precious to waste your time on things that don't bring you fulfillment. It doesn't make sense to me anymore to do that. So I'm just not doing it. 
Oh my gosh, Kayla. Oh, you're like, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> and, and it is, it's so true. It's, it's a gift. Every morning I wake up just with gratitude that I woke up because not all of us get to wake up the next day. And so when we think about our passion and how we want to live and the freedom that this is our lives and fulfillment is what comes whenever we can be so deeply rooted in what is freedom to us, who are our loved ones, how do we protect our time, our energy, our sanity, our soul, so that we can truly like lead the life that's going to give us everything that we want and more. And I am so happy that you said that. I'm so glad you got two words. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, it has to be that there, there has to be, you have to feel good about what you're doing or else why are you doing it? And I think too, for me, because I feel as though I'm here to be of service. It's like, why am I doing it? What's the impact? How does it make me feel and others feel right? Because we can give so much to others that we lose ourselves. And so it's that great balance of being able to drive the impact and support those, but then also you know, fill ourselves up and make sure that we know what we need to be able to do the work of supporting others. So Kayla, to close things out, um, we always, and this one's going to be super hard for you. So if we need to mix it up, we can, but we always close the show with what is one product. I, I feel crazy even saying it to you, but like one product that you're loving, that you're coveting, And we have to make a disclosure because you are a journalist and you are an editor. So this is your personal beliefs. (laughs) And if you need to name a few, that's fine. But we love shouting out other brands because we do this to be in a community. So what are some brands we should check out? Oh my God. I'm, I've been seeing the praises of Ami Cole since its inception. I think Jada, the founder is just brilliant. It's so hard to find a niche in makeup and she found one. It's just no makeup, makeup for black girls, simple, skin nourishing, fantastic products. I've never tried a product from Ami Cole that wasn't good. Amazing. That is like my number one. It's my, it's one of my favorite makeup brands right now. I'm actually wearing the mascara. I wear the lip gloss nonstop uh, or the lip oil. Sorry. Nonstop. It's just, she's always top of mind for me. She's really, really fantastic. Also another one, Bossy Cosmetics, my friend Aisha, she's the founder she is an incredible, incredible woman. It's almost like this is like a women's empowerment company, as she would say, uh, that's, that's masquerading as a makeup brand. She's in JCPenney stores. Um, she just did a collaboration with Bozema. Um, it's fantastic. The lipstick is a beautiful red. It's called Faith. And you should always have faith. I think that's so important. It's just a really empowering brand. Her brand story is amazing. Her personal story is amazing. And I love her. Um, I also love Hyperskin. They just won an award at um, the 15% Pledge Gala. Um, there's just, there's so many that are, that are fantastic, that are black women owned and just really doing the damn thing. And I think the fact that I even, can't even narrow them down is such a good problem to have because 10 years ago, there would be like, I'd be like, oh yeah, pink lotion, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also pattern. I love yes. I love the fact that pattern has jumbo sizes of things because Tracy has a lot of hair and understands that we have a lot of hair and we need a lot of product, especially conditioner. And I just love that she has that. I think it's so brilliant. And I don't know why other hair care brands didn't do that before. Make the jumbos. <laughs> Make the jumbos. Make the jumbos. I love that. 
You know what? This list, it's so amazing. Giada was one of the first guests on the podcast before she launched, and it was so great. It's been so great to have that conversation and to have the products, and I have the, the, the gloss on as well. And it's such what she's done and her tenacity and even like, I'm like, girl, you just had a baby and you're like doing all these things. It's like the strength of women. And with Bossy Cosmetics, Asha and I did a panel um, for Harvard talking about the future of beauty. And I love what she's doing. I love that she's in- incorporated Bozema. And it's so interesting, like thinking from the lens of business, right? Because beauty is business as much as it's about the products. It is about creating a sustainable company. Um, and Desiree and Hyper, you know, that when she won, I was campaigning for her the entire 15% pledge gala. And she, it was such a great moment because we're so invested in them and we care so much about their success and they all just work so hard. And we've learned from Tracy about the jumbo size. So thank you, Kayla. You've changed an industry. <laughs> Everyone's doing jumbos. <laughs> we need the jumbos, man. We need the jumbos. Well, I appreciate you. I I'm so excited that we are in community together. Thank you for sharing our story. Thank you for being here and the narratives that you're writing and shaping for Black women and beauty in general. You're, you're truly changing the game. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your kind words. It really is my life's work. I'm so honored to be able to do this work. And it's really just, it just fills me up. Like it just satisfies my soul in such a beautiful way. So I'm just so grateful. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And this week, thank you, Kayla. Make sure to follow at Bossy Beauty. That's at Bossy Beauty by Bossy Cosmetics. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is to deeply reflect on your word for 2023. Kayla shared freedom and fulfillment. So what are your words for 2023? And with that, Follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Assistant producer, Jenny Salk. Executive producer, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Edited by Fishmar Creative. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a Mean Old Line Media production.